0: Oops, he did it again. The bantamweight king everybody loves to hate scored another victory, this time over double champ and Olympic gold medalist Henry Cejudo. But was it enough to put some respect on this man's name? For a whole bunch of people, absolutely not. Despite Aljamain Sterling quickly becoming one of the winningest fighters the division has ever seen. So when will it be enough? Or is the hate deserved? I'm Tommy from MMA On Point. A huge thank you to the biggest channel supporters in our Hall of Famers. And I'm wondering if Aljo is the most underrated champion open that can of worms, though. And so you have time to type your rebuttal in the comments before you even hear what I have to say, let's run down the cards so that we at least are on the same page about what it is that happened at UFC 288. As I mentioned in the intro, Aljo defended the Bantamweight title against Henry Cejudo via split decision. Bawal Muhammad dominated Gilbert Burns across five rounds to earn a UD victory. Jan Shaunan only needed two minutes, 20 seconds to put away Jessica Andrade via TKO. Moksar Ibloyev survived some scary submission attempts to earn a UD win over the debuting Diego Lopez, and Charles Jourdain took 30 27s across the board against a guard-pulling, butt-scooting Cron Gracie. The prelims were incredible, much more exciting than the main card. Go watch the shit out of them. They are definitely worth your time. All right, now that we're all on the same page about what went down, let's run the numbers and see if we can't determine what some of this means. The UFC's 20th trip to New Jersey saw 12 fights with five KOTKOs, one sub and six decisions for a total cage time of two hours, 16 minutes, 37 seconds. Dogs and favorites were nearly Split evenly on the night with 5 and 7, respectively. A fun what if Lopez hitting a third round sub would have been plus 4,000, but jujitsu Jitsu is only real if you believe in it. Aljo did work against Cejudo, landing the most significant strikes, the most successful takedowns, the biggest strike differential, and the most control time of any fight in Triple C's entire career. Sterling now has the most bantamweight UFC wins all time with 14, which ties him with Dominic Cruz for most if you count the WEC as well. He has the longest bantamweight winning streak of all time with nine, and is now tied for the second most title victories. Gil Burns was hit with the most significant strikes of his career with 135. Remember, the name has not lost in 1,569 days over the course of 10 fights. The only other strawweight weight to KO Andraj was current champion Zhang Wei Li. Ivloyev survived four different submission attempts to earn our Stretch Armstrong award, and finally, despite there being no knockdowns or takedown attempts, there was a total of 7 minutes 31 seconds of control time in the Kron jordan fight, earning them our Gracie Challenge award. But the stats can only tell us so much. Let's get into the real nitty gritty about what it is that really happened last night. When Aljamain Sterling became the first fighter in UFC history to win the title via disqualification, his status as champion was very much in dispute considering how badly things were going for the Saro Longo fighter up to that point. But now, surely, after three successful title defenses, his most recent against a revered former two-division champion, Sterling's status is entirely undisputed. Well, not according to his many naysayers. They'll say that the second Jan fight was the wrong call by the judges in the split decision. When he fought TJ Dillashaw, he came in with a bum shoulder and was ineffective starting at minute one. Cejudo is too small, he's not fought in three years, and he's 36, he's way past his prime. If Sterling is able to defeat Sean O'Malley, I would imagine there will be a chorus of, well, Sean wasn't really ready for a title fight, they pushed him too soon, or if he gets dominated, they'll say he was overrated, and so on and so forth. The truth is, for whatever reason, there are going to be a lot of fans who will never give Sterling the respect he's earned as Bantamweight Champion. The stats I laid out earlier, regardless of how you feel about what he's done, he's right next to Cruz as one of the winningest ever at 135, and so what else is he supposed to do to be considered an all-time great? Many look at teammate Mirab as the truest challenge, but the chances of that fight ever Happening are just about zero. If Sterling is to lose to O'Malley, the problem solves itself, and if he wins, he's already said he'll move up to 145 and try for double champ status before retiring. With his current body of work alone, I feel very comfortable saying that Sterling is one of the best phantom weights ever and truly an underrated champion in the sport. I mean, barring a round, maybe, he looked like the better man at all points in that fight last night. Yes, he has had close bouts. He's had circumstances like TJ or the illegal knee that his opponents created, but I mean, all the guy can do is fight the fights that are in front of him, and thus far he's on an unprecedented run of wins that go back to 2017. I think objectively you have to put him among the best of the best at Bantamweight all time. That said, he has a massive opportunity in this O'Malley fight considering Sugar's popularity, and maybe a win there would cement his legacy, but honestly at this point I'm not sure any victory will ever win him over with some. Speaking of fighters that fans seem to hate for no reason, Bilal versus Burns was not what anybody was hoping for, and it certainly was a weird one. There's no doubt that Gilbert was off for most of the fight, but you can't put that on Muhammad any way you look at it. If it was stuff he came in with, then what's the guy supposed to do? And if it was caused during the early part of the fight, that's just how these things go sometimes. Gil's right hand was still very much a threat and landed a few solid times. Nonetheless, despite it being a dominant performance, it certainly wasn't the most exciting fight, and any call for him to hop Colby in line would fall on deaf ears after a win like that with no big finish or bonus-worthy happenings. That said, the man is clearly next in line and has a far greater stake to declare of number one contender at welterweight. So since we're giving Colby a freebie after that fight, whoever is champion, they most certainly should be fighting Bilal Muhammad. He has more than earned it at this point. All right, now that we've talked about the big stuff, let's get into the odds and ends and wrap this thing up. Speaking of clear contenders in my eyes, Yan Xiaonan is next after that win, regardless of the rankings, especially considering Lemos lost to Andrade just last year. That was a statement victory. That's how you earn a title shot. Rose versus Whaley will happen first, but Jan absolutely gets next. Some of the prelim debuts, Diego Lopez and Rolando Bedoya, both show that you can come in on short notice and lose, and come out looking better than your opponent that won. The biggest debut though, Ikram Ali Skirov, put Phil Haas absolutely out, look out for this dude at 185, his only career loss was to Hamzat. And finally, let's talk about Kron Gracie, man. Interesting week for that guy, and he just went full Gracie in his bout. If his striking or takedowns have improved in the four years since we've seen him, he certainly didn't demonstrate it, and I'm interested to see if we see him again in the next four years. Oh, before we go, we have to talk about O'Malley's Michael Jackson jacket. First of all, hilarious choice, especially considering he decided to go shirtless underneath. Not sure why he decided to take it off, but he pretty much created the greatest moment of the night when in cartoon fashion, the next time we see it after it's thrown off, it's being sported by a grinning Marab the Machine. Oh, that mischievous Georgian. Genius to put that on. Even better, it almost created the most hilarious post-fight brawl in MMA history. Seriously, 288 would have been a classic if everybody just started throwing down over that damn jacket. Such a missed opportunity. Their fight would have sold a million buys. Come on, guys. Overall, the pay-per-view portion of the night certainly didn't feel $80 worth given how it played out, and next month's offering isn't looking too great either, but hey, 290 is right around the corner, and honestly, we've kind of been spoiled with some great pay-per-view cards as of late, so we were probably due for one of these. You know who just never misses, though, no matter what? The editor of this video, Max randall the guy is a superstar behind the scenes and he also makes great content himself please go show him some love on his socials max is the real mvp of these autopsy videos if you do want to see more of them liking and subscribing will both let us know that and probably make the next one pop up on your feed whenever it drops a big old thank you to our channel champions as well if you love the channel and want even more exclusive content or want to have a voice in the creation process for our videos consider becoming a member by clicking the join button below the video i have no doubt you've already told me down below but do give me your your thoughts on Aljo as a champion in the comments, as well as anything 288. Thanks so much for watching guys, I will catch you after 289 and a lot in between I'm sure.